Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm Luke. You've got Kyle here as well. It's With Sonar, and we've got an excellent lineup for you today. But first off, um, if you'll notice the screen split here, because um, I am by myself here in the studio looking at you, Kyle. You got something to explain? Yeah. No, no, there's no high five, and we're not doing none of that, or I guess it's over here. But no, um, it's it's the mime. It's the it's the mat, it's the invisible wall that we had. No, uh it's a nice yeah, I'm coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Um, yep. it's it's an interesting little move I did. I decided to move down to down, back down to Tampa. And uh, you know what they, they told us in the the old newsroom is that you're gonna continue to do this and we're gonna just keep the vibe rolling. You can't break up this band. You really and, can. And boy, is that right. The Luke and Kyle show. Um, but Tampa's home for you, Kyle, right? I mean, that, that, that's where your roots are. You've got, you've got some family down there, obviously, you know, Sunshine State, right? Yes. Yeah, so not, not only that, it's, it's funny because uh, if you talk to, I think it's just not only if you talk to our leadership here at Freightways, but um, if we think back to when I moved here, which actually in a week is going to be my two-year anniversary here with Freightways, Come on. Um, I, had to, I had to move there. So when I took the position, I had to actually move to Chattanooga in order to, to take the role in which now we have, what, three employees in Arizona. We got another one coming along the way in Denver. We got one in Chicago. We got another guy, manager of BD in, in Tampa. So I, at least I have a, a fellow Freight Waves uh, guy here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting the, the, where we are in the world where now we can do this remotely and, and thank you to the new studio who's had to put up with me trying to figure out how to get three different things all set up for once but <laughs> um no i'm glad to still be here that's quite all right nothing nothing as bad as my uh my my setups when we when i had to be remote a few times i remember we did it once when i was at the beach although my setup was was a lot less permanent so uh, i think i was working off of my phone at one point but anyways we are glad that we are still here of course our viewers are as well now um kyle Obviously, you know, Olympics are right around the corner. We're going to make, I'm going to make some statements to that here in uh, just a minute. But before, there's one thing I've been reading a lot here in the news about, um, you know, the semiconductors shortage, right, or the chip shortage. We've all heard a lot about mm -hmm. that. It's been affecting everything. I had trouble getting a new Xbox for a while, you know, which uh, still a little bitter about that, but that's okay. Um, and it's happening with cars. Ford was saying that it, it's having a big impact on on their production capabilities. Tesla said it impacted their production capabilities. All, you know, a lot of computer companies are saying it's impacting. And now it's it's actually spilled over into the trucking world. Um, Daimler warns that Q2 earnings could uh, potentially be impacted by the semiconductor shortage. I mean, it's 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 still here, right? It's happening to everybody is basically the idea, right? So they, they grew their truck sales by 92% over the second quarter. Um, however, they, they don't think that's going to maintain simply because of the, the semiconductor shortage. Um, I wonder yeah, if that will impact uh, prices and things later on. What are your thoughts? Yeah, probably. I mean, if, you, if any of uh, our viewers follow Great Quarter guys uh, yesterday, Andrew uh, was fortunately able to talk with a member of Deutsche Bank. And, and what they brought up was that not only is this shortage – uh, going across the span of not just products, but uh, uh, labor as well. And so it's going to continue to be a factor um, within not only the transportation industry, but any kind of consumer goods um, or retail st style of company. We're going to continue to see this, which for people who are listening in, that, what that means is that 
that, that softness that we were thinking about that was going to come to us, come to our shores for half two. Good luck. Hope you weren't prepared. We weren't given your whole entire uh, year's wages to, to, to bank off the back half of the year to save your butt. But uh, it's uh, definitely going to continue to cause volatility. It's going to continue to impact uh, consumers across the United States and probably across the world, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're right about that. And it'll be interesting to see. And, and part of this is, let's not forget, right? Part of this is potentially due to, you know, COVID and, and, the, and the strings that it's thrown into the supply chain world. But I think a lot of it also has to do with the increased demand, right? I mean, demand has been increasing, right? When people work from home, you know, more computers were purchased, more, more, more phones, more tablets. Uh, uh, people started getting into gaming more. Uh, obviously, more and more uh, car companies are building more sophisticated cars as we get more into the self-driving space, right? It, it's just taking over the world. So demand is higher as well. And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's just going to continue to get higher and higher. So this, this global chip shortage could, could be prolonged for a while. Right. And as we start getting towards the end of the year, um, you know, chips, I mean, look, what else are chips in? I'm not much of a, I mean, we're thinking from OEMs, we're talking automotive, um, but, you know, what else do you think, what other sectors do we think this could have a big impact on? Well, I, I think chip, chips are in essentially just about everything that the semiconductors are in essentially everything that has some type of electrical component, right? From your microwave, right? So think appliances, right? Think like consumer electronics, think OEM, absolutely. You've got the vehicle space and it's not just not just our vehicles, right? You have the entire construction world as well that, that it's in, obviously. Right. You know, I mean, there, there's so many things that it touches. It touches nearly everything. But I think, you know, as we demand more and more from our products, the processing power of these chips has to increase, right? So if we want to get into the self-driving car space, for example, or the self-driving truck space or the electronic truck space, you have to have more powerful chips in order to perform those tasks. So the chips that you thought could last maybe three, four, or five years maybe only last two or three years now. So it, it changes right. things a little bit. I'm not an expert myself, but, you know, and, and different industries are going to have different needs and requirements, but that's where things are going. Um, yeah. So it'll be yeah, interesting no, to see that's, where, that's where it continues. Um, no, that's, that's uh, pretty impactful stuff. And if we start thinking about what is the current state of the trucking market, um, seeing that really volumes have still maintained where they've, where they've been at coming out of the 4th fourth of July weekend. But I believe today is the first uptick that we've seen in our van outbound tender rejection index since coming off of fourth of july weekend um so it's been kind of a soft week uh for the past week to two weeks a lot of people you know you know from our sales uh, are on vacation um we see a lot of uh, slowing down just because people are like i think this is going to be the only time i could actually have some downtime um but yeah so finally do you think uh so tender rejections are going to be sitting at right at 22% right now. And they were, if we're, if we put that into reference back from pre 4th of July, had a big increase up to about 27%. And so um, do we see as we get into the, you know, the uh, um, back to school retail, all these different things that are going to cause uh, more consumers to be consuming um, rejections and volatility start to spike back up. You know, I, I think it's definitely a possibility. A lot of our forecasts have shown, we're actually showing a, a dip in, in pricing for the month of July and a little bit in, in August before picking back up. So the forecasts 
we're, we're kind of in right in the middle of where that dip in our forecast was. And let's remember, like, when we say a decline of rates, we're not going back to where the, the decline wasn't all the way back to where we were in, like, you know, March of 20 or in February of 2020. It's like, hey, we're down 10% from the high that we just had um, or whatever it is. So I, I think we're going to, we're going to, we might dip a little bit further this month. Again, I wouldn't see it, may, think it would be significant at all. Um, but I think things will pick up a little bit, especially as we get back to the end of the quarter. Freight starts to impact. We'll start to get into the holiday season. I mean, there's there's a lot of freight out there, and there's still a lot of money in consumers' pockets um, from a lot of this, from the stimulus money that 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 hasn't been spent yet. So it'll be interesting to see see how that plays into effect uh, as we get into the holiday season. Um, but traditionally, what we have seen is that oh, the last the last few years, which is tough to compare because we're in such an anomaly year or, or time right now in the freight market, it, it's tough to look at past years. But typically, we, you know, in 2019, we saw a little bit of a bump in volume uh, coming into uh, August. And that, that bump actually started to continue to rise a little bit and leveled off throughout the rest of the year. So if, if we do get another bump, so to speak, in volume, which is already at unprecedented levels, uh, yeah, yeah we, we could see a rise in tender rejections as well as pricing. Um, time will tell, of course. Yeah, no, and, and that's it's going to be really interesting for the, the shippers and the logistics um, providers on the industry because when you think about what kind of environment we're, we're in right now, the carriers are just at an all-time high in profitability. We're seeing, yep. you know, we're beating a dead horse here, but, you know, FedEx was released 1,400 customers. Um, so we're... we're looking at item or looking at carriers really think about what lanes they want to run and avoid lanes they don't want to run. So what's that going to do for those backhaul centric lanes that maybe don't do well for carriers networks? It's going to either cause opportunities. So maybe the more regional or smaller carriers or even the broker who deals with more of the smaller carriers is going to be able to capitalize. But those rates are going to, I, I think, going to continue to rise in those those bad um, profitability lanes. Uh, and and that's you know something that we even see within our SCI product, the supply chain intelligence. Yeah. Um, seeing that these these contract rates continue to go up, especially over the past quarter, because um, when you when you look back for the first half, the average still is kind of low, coming off of that first uh, really two months of January February, and and so going into what we're seeing now in the past Q three or Q uh, Q two. Um, it's really just really speeding up that contract time. And from the shippers that I talk to, it's, it doesn't seem to be slowing down. No, you're absolutely correct there. And I think there's, there's a lot that we have to take into account with that. So here's something that I've got for us right here. All right, uh, let's go ahead and throw this up on the screen for everybody to see. So this is the dry van contract uh, rate per mile. So you know this is, this is actual paid invoice data from shippers. It's what they are paying on their contracted lanes. The reason why it says initial reporting, it's not the full sample of data that we collect on this, but it is updated a lot faster. You know, we can look at the, uh, of everything that's been reported, um, but that's typically about a month behind. This one's a lot more uh, real time, if you will. So we'll, we'll use this and they track within about 3% of each other anyway. So it's, they're essentially the same. Mm -hmm. But van contracts, so these are actual paid invoices. So right now, shippers are paying on average $2.61 per mile for con specifically contract, not spot, this is contract rates right now. So as you can see, we're at the highest point that they've been in a year. This is a one-year time frame. 
Uh, this is excluding fuel, by the way. So if you think it looks a little bit low, it's because there's no fuel included. So I think fuel is about 36 a mile right now. Right. Or accessories, right? This is line haul only, right? So we can compare apples to apples. Um, so if we look at this, I mean, it tells a clear picture. Rates are where? Up and to the right. Now, what's mm -hmm. interesting about this chart is, and this is where I'm not really sure where things are going. I wonder if spot rates are actually going to come down below contracted rates in the before the year is over. You heard it here fo first, folks. At some point, Whoa, I hot take. A, okay, hot take. Okay, okay. First off, disclaimer here. I could be wrong. I'll be the first one to say, yeah. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell the future. I'm just going to say this is what the data suggests. The data suggests that contract rates are rising steadily, and they've been rising for over the past year. Spot rates, no doubt about it. They've been extremely elevated, but they've been very volatile as well. They, they go with those massive swings. Okay, we've seen that. But contract rates have been on a continuous rise. Now, here's why I think there might, underlined word, might be a dip where spot rates it. go Just underneath. Just my guy. Come on. Oh, yeah, whatever. Right? I'll say it. Um, <laughs> is let's flip over to this chart here. So this is the contract rates, we just saw that, very high there. Now if we come over to this chart, again, we'll do the same one year view, okay? Blue line that you see there, okay, and let's get rid of that green line for a second. Blue line is volume, we're just looking at that one year time frame. It's incredibly elevated, those big dips you see there are your holidays. We'll go back out about uh, you know a year and a quarter and you can see how high volume is. Pretty much ever since we hit uh, September of last year, we've been in this really high elevated phase, and it, it's extremely mm -hmm. high. Now, we're going to throw the tender rejection rates on as well in orange. That's a percentage here on the left side. Again, we'll click the one-year view. So you can see tender rejections were around 17% this time a year ago. That's bottom left, orange line. Now we're sitting at around almost 22%. The reason why I think there's a possibility, and we don't it, we're gonna, I think we'll, we'll probably have better insight into this in the next two to four weeks. But tender rejections are at their, really, their lowest level in 11 months. In the past 11 months, they're really at their lowest level, minus this real little dip that we saw there in Q1. But otherwise, the only time it's been lower was this big ramp up we saw from COVID. So they're at their lowest level in the last 11 months meaning mm -hmm. carriers are more willing to accept their contract freights to keep their loads moving, and they're less reliant on spot loads. But hold on. Well, this if is contract rates I mean, keep going up, right, in theory, spot rates would go Not necessarily. Right. And that's where I'm going with all this, Kyle. So just to summarize, with contract rates becoming so high mm -hmm. and becoming so attractive and continuing to push higher, carriers are like, listen, I don't need to deal with the spot market right now. I can go to the con or the spot market. I can go to the contract world and it's going to take care of me. And I think that's going to push spot rates down for carriers well, that's what that it, rely I mean, on the spot let's, market. Let's, let's think about the actual principles of this. So when you, when you think about spot versus contract, so we have this very unique environment in the United States trucking industry being that you do have this spot market, which is like the overflow for transportation. And But really what it becomes is like the opportunity point. And so once we have an inflection meaning that spot, so for the past almost like 18 months, spot rates have been significantly higher than contract rates. And going into 2021, the beginning of the year, a lot of these shippers were counting on a very soft end of year. So they were okay accepting 
these contracts that are at a higher premium. And so what is now done, and, and if we throw that um, chart back up, is, is right in that, I believe, April timeframe is, is when those tender rejections started declining. It wasn't necessarily because, well, it, it is because more people are accepting their freight, but a lot of carriers are went to bid right about there. And, and so we're going to see tender rejections start to fall a little bit. Because when we think about what freight waves actually views, what's actually within sonar, it is very contract um, bias. So all of the volumes, all of the rejections, all of the lead time is the representation of what's happening on the contracted market. It's 85% of the contract market. So what, I mean, it's very impactful, still allows us, it's the first time people are able actually able to see what's in the contract market. But because of that, that's why we're seeing more people uphold their contract rates because they are now almost higher than what spot rates are. And when that happens, we're going to see less volatility and we're going to see more of more difficulty to find, um, you know, good loads on the spot market. I don't think that's going to be anytime soon because the demand is so high. But I do think more carriers are going to start upholding these contracts because they are reflected to spot market. They're finally up to where spot market rates are. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. And, and, and pretty much since April 1st, right, so we'll call it the start of Q2, tender rejection mm -hmm. rates are down nearly 20%. Yeah, and, and tenant rejection rates, I mean, it, it doesn't mean rejections are now a, a poor indicator of what's going to happen, but when no. you, that's why you need to look at multiple data sets. So seeing that demand is still there and seeing, what, Luke, what you were pulled up on the van contract um, initial reportings, that thing was up and to the right. I mean, geez, put that thing in my portfolio. That's what I need right now in my life. Come on, baby. Um, I need, you know, that's that's just money, money, money. And, and so... Now, that's why looking at not only rates, rates are great, but they're not going to tell you everything. And just like just looking at demand isn't going to tell you everything and looking at rejections. That's why FreightWaves does such a good job and Sonar does such a good job of bringing all those together and why we have the best product in the industry. It doesn't just look at load board activity. That's might be slightly biased, <laughs> you know, no spoiler alert there, <laughs> but uh but definitely it gives a, a really good perspective. I'm glad you, you you showed those those three indicators. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I was just I was feeling a bit uh, intelligent today. Is uh, is I guess how I was. This is a weird that. vibe we got going here. This is like, I feel like I'm on like ESPN's like you know what's that the herd or something the 30 second takes Come we on, just man. go around the horn. Listen, I, I dissect <laughs> the things. I see. I see. I don't always know, but I see. Um, hey. Speaking of see. Across the sea, a lot uh -oh. of our athletes are uh -oh. at Tokyo getting ready for the Olympics. Um, I don't know if your watch party this Friday starts this Friday. So, yeah, so opening ceremony is this Friday. Okay, it's the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Yes, I know it's 2021, but it's still the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Okay, get over it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not bitter about it at all. Okay, it's fine. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so opening ceremony is this, uh, this Friday is when it starts. Now, uh, I guess you can watch everything live at like whatever, four o'clock in the morning or whatever the time difference is. It's about 10 hour time difference. I think I'm sure that are you going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning for opening ceremonies? <laughs> Bold of you to assume I'm going to sleep. Well, I'm sure this is, if you remember, it'll be on a prime time again. I mean, our time, but if you want to watch yeah, it Yeah, they're probably going to air it later anyways. So. Yeah. What can you do? So what is so Luke, now that we get you got us onto this ocean little segue without actually giving us the full segue, 
what are you most, what are you going to be focusing on most within this Olympics? Is it going to be swimming? Is that a safe bet? Yeah, I mean, it's always swimming for me. I, I swam my whole life. I swam in college. You know, um, actually, one of the one of the one of the guys in the Olympics, Nick Fink, uh, he's going to be a hunter breaststroker for the for the U.S. Uh, I actually swam against him in high school. Um, so it, it's how, how bad did you get beat? Uh, we don't want to talk about that. But um, <laughs> it is it is interesting to see you know uh, some of the folks that you perform with, and, and it's funny that that I, I remember Nick, and he's still swimming. You know, he's like, he's my, he was a couple years younger than me when we were in high school. And um, it's funny, like he, he's kind of almost the, almost on the older side of swimmers now, not quite, but like at like, I think he's like 27 now. He's, he's one of the older guys on the, on the swimming squad. So it's funny, but yeah, no, listen, I'm, I'm not going to miss a single swim race. Um, I'm a big fan of track too. I love track and field. Allison Felix, she's in her fifth Olympics. Love that. I'll be watching her uh, gymnastics too. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not as gung-ho about gymnastics as a lot of other folks are. I appreciate it. I appreciate what they do. My biggest problem with gymnastics, and it's not unique to gymnastics, the athletes, you cannot describe the things that they do. I mean, they're so incredibly strong and athletic, not taken away from that. It's the sport of gymnastics that I have a problem with, okay? Oh, I, boy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. And, and it, this is, this is kind of true with, like, diving as well. I'll bring in, you know, kind of the water, the, the, the water side of it, too. But it is so difficult for me to digest that a sport is judged based on, like, let's say, let's say you and I were to judge, judge gymnastics. Can you do all, like, the back 75 flip whatever nonsense they do? Of course you can. But you're going to judge them and tell them how well they did. Like I, I have, I, I just, yeah. it is so difficult for me to digest the fact that somebody who can't do what you're doing is telling you how well you did. And I know that's a little subjective because exactly. that's partly what a coach does, but I just, it, it bothers me versus like in swimming and in track, there's a clock. It's a, yeah, it's a true race. It's, it's almost as if, you know, sonar was your clock and then like load board stuff was just a judge judging you. Very hey. subjective. Not a very good representation of what's actually being performed out there on the saddlebags or whatever they're yeah. called. But uh, but no, you're you're 100% right. I think when when you leave it to what others or you just try to do what others think you should do, um, it makes it difficult. But um, here I am sitting in a in a room in, in Tampa while they're going and representing our country to yeah. try to be the best. So, Again, not the um, athletes. Athletes, athletes are fantastic. It's obvious they're incredibly strong at the top of their game. It's it's the the sport side of it as well. That that's where I'm going yeah. with this. But anyways, um, a lot of good things. And it looks like I got a message from the from the TV crew in the back. They agree with me. They're saying you know it's a it's a judge sport. So you know that's the problem. Judge sports. Get your little judginess yeah. out of here. We'll need you. Love, love a good. We should. One, actually, this wouldn't work either. This would be just as bad if, like, you had like fans vote for like who they thought did the best, but then people would just vote for whoever they follow on Instagram. So that wouldn't work. Yeah, um, someone would like hack in or something, and uh, just like yeah, I yeah. gave them a ten, there'd be like a yeah. bunch of tens. But going it is in there. like it almost, it'd almost be like people like self-reporting their rates and and then taking yeah. an average of that to actually score what's happening in the market. I feel Such like a we weird need view of what's happening. I feel like we need like a computer program to judge how well they did. You know, it's unbiased data. If you get my drift, you know, it's if you, real time. Hmm, elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, there, yeah. you know, real time data, it's unbiased. You know, it's not, it, it's not somebody else telling you how well you're doing. It's, 
you know, it's simply just how it is. You know, it's how the computer sees yeah. it. They don't miss anything. No, exactly. Anyways, we're getting, I'm getting a little excited here. But anyways, yeah, very excited for the Olympics. I, it's great. I'm excited to watch it. And I know there's, um, I know there's some drama around this Olympics because of COVID. Some folks are like, hey, we shouldn't have it. Some folks are like, no, we shouldn't take it away from the athletes. Whatever your stance is, I mean, it's just, it's exciting to see still all the countries come together, all the athletes yeah. come together. I, I love that. I just love that. Right. Big fan of it. No, it's spot on. But, uh, but to kind of ra- bring this back to the freight world, um, it's, uh, I'm actually very interested to see how, you know, the rest of, you know, the rest of this month and really going into next month, because I think, you know, traditionally retail season, well, August brings back to school. So you're going to have retailers trying to ensure products are on the shelves for back to school. Um, additionally, you, we have a, what is it? October is normally that hot spot for if we don't have our containers at least ordered by then or, or in the country by then, we're not going to be prepared at our DC level to put out products for November and December. So, you know, do you think this spikes up just as um, just as fast or do you think that this is just going to be a consistent thing because we have been uh, having such a delay of these containers um, at ports, either anchored at sea, 30-day delays, all of these different issues um, that we're seeing so far. I mean, that's what I feel it might be. Yeah, it's a good question. Time will tell for sure. Um, It's difficult to tell, but it does seem, I mean, the reality is these containers have to be in the U.S. pretty much by October if if that freight's going to be sold on the shelf in the holiday season, right? So um, there could be another big influx. We'll see. It, It really just depends on how quickly they can get through the port. Um, but anyways, we're going to react to some TikToks here and I guess some reels as well, you know, tapping in, you know, getting that brand presence there with Instagram too. But, um, you know, you heard it here first. I think within, before the year is over, spot rates will be lower than contract rates. We'll see. Well, I'm either going to be proven the smartest guy in the room or the dumbest guy in the room before the year's over. We'll see. We'll keep track of it, folks. Uh, but anyways, take your bets here, over yeah, under. Yeah, take your bets here, over under. Yeah, it might not, it might not be us. We'll see. But anyways, let's react to some TikToks here and see what's going on. Ooh, oh, that is so true. <laughs> that right there, that's so true. That would happen to me. Did you just slap me? Did you stand up? Yeah, I did. You better sit back down. I'm not gonna sit back down. I can't believe that you don't. Ah. You better not. Ooh, savage. Yep. Absolute savage. Yep. Boom. In the car. Shotgun, shotgun. I said it first. I said it first. It doesn't even matter. You're the size of a chicken nugget. You can't even fit in the front seat. No, I'm not. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> she didn't even call shotgun. Yeah, I called shotgun. I called shotgun. <laughs> I'll see you in the front seat. That is so. Being that I am the baby of my family, I have an older brother and an older sister. That could not have described that whole dynamic more accurately. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. I don't even know where that shotgun thing started from. What we got here? Is that a monkey? Pay the man. Sometimes you got to grease the gears a little bit. You got to grease the rails. You got to pay the man. 
Bro, I don't even know what I was doing in that situation. You give them your, your treat. That's what you do. I guess so. Stop it. Here comes Luke. Bro, that is so far. This isn't sped up at all in case anybody's wondering. I mean, he missed like 87% of his entire house when he was sweeping, but who am I? Oh, that was clean. That was clean. How many takes is that? Look at the, you gotta see the lines. That, that had to have been like five takes. Thought I was gonna fall in the last scene, didn't ya? <laughs> uh, I feel been like TikToks and reels have just become like these mini movie productions. Oh yeah, just like my office now. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, stop, stop it! it. Shark week. Snap. Bro. Yo, something I learned. I was watching something. It was like this. It was take on like. Who's the apex predator of the ocean? And like, there's a lot of like research that suggests now that it's actually orcas. There's been a lot of orca sightings that have killed a bunch of great whites. <sighs> Crazy stuff. Well, folks, we're right out of well, time. Well, Sonar Sue. Well, that, what, what a great end to that. Sonar Sue, the killer whale of the sea. That's right. Yes, we are. Anyways, folks, pleasure to have you here. We'll be here next Wednesday, of course. Uh, the Luke and Kyle Show, a.k.a. with Sonar. Uh, you better be watching some Olympics, okay? Show a little, show a little love to them athletes, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Take care.